0: Ever snore so loud it registered as an earthquake, or you woke up with a throat as dry as the Sahara Desert and a headache that could stop a locomotive? Well, I've had all of these because I have sleep apnea. Hi, I'm Scott Mitchell. Yep. I wear a machine plugged into a wall attached to a hose every night. Sound Sleep Medical changed all of this for me, and they can do that for you. They specialize in providing oral appliance therapy for individuals suffering from sleep disorders. In many cases, oral appliances have proven to be as effective as CPAP machines in treating sleep apnea, the lack of sleep is a serious health risk and has been linked to heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and even depression. The oral appliance I got from Sound Sleep Medical has freed me from a hose. I can go anywhere, and I've never slept better. Call Sound Sleep Medical today. Seriously, for a limited time, the first 25 people that call get a free consultation worth 200 bucks. Call 801-783-5451. It's 801-783-5451.
1: Hello, I'm Jim Bennett.
2: I'm Abby Bennett.
1: And this is Dinner Table Politics.
2: Yes, it is.
1: Did, did you like that? This is Dinner Table Politics. It was a new and exciting way to introduce the show.
2: All right, let's just get on with
1: it. <laughs> let's just get on with it. All right. Well, I have a few scores to settle with this particular show. Settle them. Well, it's going to be I, I, it's going to be a cathartic process because what's going? Do I need on, to
2: be here? Can I go?
1: N- oh, no, you need to help me with my catharsis. Okay. Are you excited?
2: Are you gonna pay me? Like,
1: well, I might.
2: Free therapy isn't really.
1: Well, I understand
2: something that. I'm interested in doing.
1: So right now, President Trump has gone out to the Rose Garden and said that I am not going to work on an infrastructure bill with the Democrats until they stop investigating me. He said, "You can either have infrastructure or investigations, which is alliterative, which is I thought kind of beyond Donald Trump's literary abilities." Okay
2: qué no los dos?
1: ¿Por qué no los dos? Why not both?
2: Yeah, from the taco commercials.
1: No, I haven't seen those taco commercials.
2: Oh, okay.
1: What are the taco commercials?
2: It's uh, just a little girl at the very end is like, why can't we have both or something?
1: ¿Por qué no los both? No los both. Los well, both. Okay, That's, never uh, mind. Anyway, well, so we can get into that, but I want to get into what the infrastructure bill is and why I think, and this is something nobody's talking about, but I think this infrastructure bill represents the complete and total collapse of any principle that defines either political party.
2: Oh. Are you excited? Oh, uh, that stresses me out. Okay.
1: Well, okay, so I want to take you back. This is the score I have to settle.
2: Let's go back.
1: The reason your grandfather is not a senator. Well, he's, he passed away, oh, yeah. so I guess that's one reason. Oh, yikes. But the reason your grandfather lost his final election was because of the Troubled Asset Relief Program, TARP. Okay. When he was voted down on the floor of the state convention, the delegates started chanting, TARP, 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 cheering the fact that they had gotten rid of Bob Bennett because he had voted for the Troubled Asset Relief Program. And we've talked about the Troubled Asset Relief Program on this show, have we not?
2: Um, Are
1: you familiar with the Troubled Asset Relief Program, Tarp?
2: Give me a refresher.
1: The refresher is that the entire worldwide financial system was was on the brink of completely collapsing, like a car driving without oil.
2: This was like in... What year was this? This
1: was two thousand and eight.
2: Okay, yeah.
1: This have you seen? You've seen the Big Short? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Great right? movie. Great
1: movie. Great movie, which helps to explain what was happening. Essentially, there were all these garbage assets out there because people were starting to give loans to people that were not being paid back, but they were all bundled into these securities and assets. Yeah. And the securities and assets, because nobody knew how much they were worth or if they were worth anything, they all started to collapse. And so banks stopped lending money to each other. Uh And the whole financial system was about to freeze up and completely collapse. And the only way to stop it was to inject massive amounts of capital into the system. And the only institution that had that capital was the United States Federal Treasury. Okay. And so my father was instrumental in creating TARP, which is one of the reasons the delegates were so mad at him. And essentially, it was his responsibility. They authorized $700 billion to be pumped into world financial markets.
2: That's so many dollars.
1: That's a lot of dollars. They only ended up spending $431 billion.
2: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: But what they would do Thrif- is...
2: Thrifty of them.
1: Because, so what was happening is banks were saying, well, we don't know how much this asset is worth because it has all these bad mortgages in it. And the federal government said, well, here's, you know... A billion dollars. So you're you Don't still,
2: spend it all in one place.
1: Well, c- continue to loan money to other banks, continue to do business, continue to keep your doors open. Now, what people don't realize is that TARP was a loan. It was not a gift. And all of the money has been repaid with interest. The United States, it did not add to the deficit. It did not add to the debt. The United States came out ahead on TARP. All of that money oh. was eventually repaid.
2: How? By who?
1: By the banks that were forced to take the money oh. in the first place.
2: Thanks, banks.
1: Thanks, banks.
2: Not usually something. The banks usually are the bad guys.
1: Right. So this was described. Except
2: in Mary Poppins.
1: What the bankers?
2: No, the ba- they're totally the... bad guys. No, in the, no, in the Mary banks, Poppins. like Jane and Michael Banks.
1: Oh, but Jane, <laughs> but Jane and Michael Banks work. Or, oh, work. but
2: the bankers are the bad guys. The in that bankers movie. are the bad oh, guys. Man, in that, that, movie. that joke had layers.
1: So many layers. So I I, I give you all that as background because the way TARP was described at the time was as a bank bailout. It was being described as money being dumped into the economy and just being thrown to the four winds, that we were never going to get it back. Mm -hmm. And it was also being talked about as a stimulus program. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And in fact – Jason Chaffetz, who was a congressman at the time, said, yes, Bob Bennett, from Utah, he said, uh, Bob Bennett voted for the stimulus program, and we got very angry in the Bennett campaign and sent off a fiery email saying Bob Bennett did not vote for the stimulus program because The stimulus program, there was a separate stimulus program.
2: And that one wasn't alone. That one was just like, here's money.
1: That was $800 billion saying, here's money, let's build the country's infrastructure, but let's just dump a lot of money into an economy in recession and hope that that creates jobs and brings unemployment down. Joe Biden, the vice president at the time, said this will keep unemployment below 8%. In fact, unemployment soared to 11%. And it didn't work. It didn't do anything. Right. But in the minds of the public, and indeed in the minds of the Republican delegates who voted against Senator Bob Bennett, the stimulus program and TARP were essentially the same thing, that they did exactly the same thing. And Bob Bennett created and managed and pushed TARP out in a way that saved the global economy and didn't cost the United States taxpayer a dime.
2: Dang. Thanks, Grandpa.
1: Thanks, Grandpa. And he vigorously opposed the stimulus program.
2: Mm-hmm. But he
1: got no credit for that. But then
2: why, would, why was everyone mad at him for TARP then?
1: Because they didn't understand the difference between TARP and the stimulus program. They thought they were the same thing. They thought it was just the government dumping money into the economy and just trying to goose the economy to the point where people weren't going to lose why their jobs. Why didn't
2: somebody tell them?
1: Well, We tried. But one of my father's favorite maxims on the campaign trail was, when you are explaining, you are losing. And that's absolutely true. That's
2: depressing.
1: It is depressing. And my father spent his entire final campaign explaining his TARP vote. Orrin Hatch, the other senator at the time, apologized for his TARP vote because he wanted to save his skin and he just essentially said, oh, well, I'm very, very sorry, even though he knew exactly what TARP was and knew he didn't need to apologize for it. But in order to be able to save his seat, he apologized for his TARP vote. Mm -hmm. We told Dad, maybe you should apologize for your TARP vote. And he said it was the right thing to do. I'm not going to do that. And I said, we told him, well, then that means you're probably going to get booted out. And he says, well, so be it. Yeah. And... I have never been prouder of my father than that final campaign because he made a decision to say, this is who I am, this is what I believe, and if the voters don't like it, they can vote me out, but I'm not going to change who I am and what I believe. Yeah. And so this was a good thing. All right, so all that is a precursor to where we are now in 2016. I'm sorry, it's 2019, isn't it? Yikes. I'm thinking 2016 because of the presidential election but in during the presidential election uh donald trump said that he wanted to create an infrastructure bill in other words he wanted the federal government to pour out a whole bunch of money to build the country's infrastructure
2: what w- like when i think infrastructure i think like roads right what else in- what else entails infrastructure
1: roads bridges Buildings. What,
2: what in the country needs, like, do we have a bad infrastructure? Like, well, I know it needs to be maintained and stuff, but like, what, what would this bill even?
1: Well, let's talk about that when we get back from our break. Okay. Well, one of the problems is that we keep talking about the infrastructure bill. There is no bill yet that exists.
2: It's all hypothetical.
1: It's all hypothetical. Everybody's talking about this. But everybody is saying that this should be a $1 to $2 trillion bill.
2: Sheesh, that's a lot.
1: Obama's infrastructure bill, which is what it was. I mean, it was a stimulus bill. It was designed to be able to keep unemployment low. But it was an infrastructure bill. They kept talking about shovel-ready projects. They were going to go out and find projects that were shovel-ready so that they could dump money into it so people could build roads, so people could do all these kinds of things. The other way the money could be spent also was on public lands, national parks, um, maintenance of public lands. The federal government owns two-thirds of the state of Utah, and that's a pretty high-maintenance bill. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is, okay, we're going to just do all these upgrades to the entire federal infrastructure. And Republicans at the time, including my father, we're up in arms, saying this is a complete and total waste of money. It's not going to do what we say it's going to do, and we ought to address infrastructure one project at a time, not in some kind of sweeping way just to be able to spend money. Okay. Well, okay, so here we are in 2019. Here we are. And Donald Trump and the Democrats are both saying, let's spend $2 trillion. Let's add 10% to the entire national debt. Not just the deficit. You understand the difference between the deficit and the debt, do you not?
2: Uh, Because
1: a lot of people don't. A lot of people, they think that when we've lowered the deficit, that we've lowered the debt. So the deficit is the year-in, year-out shortage, shortfall, of the amount of money the federal government spends versus the amount of money it takes in. Okay. The debt is the entire debt that's been accumulated by all of those shortfalls. Okay. So even if you reduce the deficit, unless you eliminate the deficit – you always add to the debt. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So we are going to add to our federal debt by $2 trillion for the sweeping infrastructure bill. And how many Republicans have come out and said the same kinds of things they said about Barack Obama in 2008? None. Zero. 0. Ooh. And here we have a president of the United States saying, "Oh, well, yeah, we need to, you know, spend money on roads and bridges." And in 2008, Barack Obama made the case for spending that much money on the basis of, "Well, we need it in order to be able to get the economy moving again."
2: Literally moving.
1: Literally moving. No, the economy doesn't literally. No,
2: move. like like you can't move if there's no ro- like you can't drive if there's no road. Oh,
1: that's very keep clever. up,
2: my gosh.
1: Well, I thought you were using the word literally the way Joe Biden uses it. No, Joe Biden uses it. I remember in the in the 2012 um, Democratic National Convention, he ended his speech by saying, "The world is literally, not figuratively, but literally, in your hands."
2: I think he was talking about like you know in Men in Black when they have to get those marbles, and then the marbles are like tiny universes, and then it zooms out, and then our world is like in a marble that aliens are playing with. Maybe he had those marbles in his hands. You think so? Yeah, that's the most likely explanation, I would say.
1: All right, I that strikes me as implausible, but I do think well, Joe you're Biden. you
2: entitled to your wrong opinion. <laughs>
1: But I do think Joe Biden would make a pretty good Men in Black. Wouldn't he? Man in Black? Yeah. He'd look kind of cool with the He kind of
2: looks like Will Smith's partner. What's his name? Oh, the old um, guy. Tommy
1: Lee Jones. Yeah. Sure. There's a Men in Black spinoff coming out with Chris yeah, Hemsworth. With,
2: and, um, and Zoe Kravitz.
1: Oh, Zoe Kravitz. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I it'll think. be good. I wonder if that's going to work. But So anyway, so literally is a word that Joe Biden... Black. Sorry. That's all right. Do we have to pay royalties for you singing that? Oh, shoot. Anyway... The point is that Joe Biden uses that word and doesn't seem to understand what it means.
2: Maybe he's learned since then.
1: Uh, he absolutely has not. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> he continues to use it. Uh, you know, if that's the worst problem we have, that the president of the United States or the person running to be president of the United States doesn't understand the literal means it's actually happening. I suppose we could just do a lot worse. But it doesn't really matter because this is all academic at this point. Because it doesn't look like there's going to be an infrastructure bill. And why is that?
2: Because Donald Trump's like holding our roads and bridges hostage until people stop investigating ooh,
1: him. Ooh, that's an interesting way to put it. Ooh. I, I, I think what this... What did stuff. the
2: bridges ever do to you, Donald? Well... Bridges are so nice to look at, usually.
1: Bridges are never nice to look at. What? Well, I mean, yeah, the Golden Gate Bridge and a few big, those kinds of bridges. I love
2: br- I, Like, going over bridges is always way fun. Uh, you got to find the little things in life.
1: Well, there are the little bridges. You know, as you drive around the Spaghetti Bowl, do you look at those bridges and go, now, these are beautiful? In downtown Salt Lake? That's
2: not, those aren't really bridges. That's a freeway. That...
1: Well, those are the kinds of things. I'm that...
2: thinking of, like, bridges over troubled water, like in the Simon and Garfunkel song.
1: Yes. Are you going to start seeing that, too? No. So, okay. That's a lovely song.
2: Yeah, but I don't know. Anyways. Uh,
1: Anyways. So, yeah, this is all academic because Donald Trump has decided that unless Congress stops investigating him, he's not going to work with him. What he doesn't seem to understand is that he has a constitutional responsibility to work with the legislative branch. And the legislative branch has a constitutional responsibility. Where
2: in the Constitution does it say that?
1: Where in the Constitution? Yeah, where does it
2: say you can't not like that? Doesn't how that doesn't make sense?
1: Uh, well, it says that it's the resp- neither
2: of you can throw temper tantrums. That's against the Constitution.
1: Yeah, I guess it's a little strong to say the Constitution forbids it, but the Constitution strongly implies as it talks about the executive branch faithfully executing the laws of the United States. It presupposes that there's going to be communication with the people who make those laws. And there's going to be collaboration with the people who make those laws. Yeah. And Donald Trump has decided, no, I'm not going to do that. And all of his...
2: What what does he... Like, is he just going to veto a plan? Is that... Like, how... What do you mean he's not going to work with them? Because he's not on the floor of, like, the Senate and stuff, like, writing the law, like, writing the bills... So what is what's what's his role besides just vetoing stuff?
1: Well, that's a very good question and constitutionally he doesn't have one. You're absolutely right. The only place where the executive branch has a representation in is the in legislature the military?
2: No. Oh. Is the...
1: is in the Senate. The vice president is the president oh, of the Senate. Oh, oh,
2: sure, sure, sure.
1: So, although the vice president is never there in the Senate. We talked about that before. I don't think so. So, where is he? I don't know. Always in the bathroom. Always in the bathroom. (laughs) There is an office for the vice president in the Senate office buildings, but I don't think he ever uses it. The reason why he's there essentially is to break a tie because the Senate is an even number, it's 100 senators. And so the vice president breaks the
2: tie. That's why we can't ever add like Puerto Rico as a state. Why? Because then it would mess up. Like We'd have to add a whole new star to the flag. That would be a disaster.
1: Right, but it wouldn't break up the even number of senators because you'd have two senators from Puerto Rico.
2: Oh, yeah, I guess. I was thinking more of the aesthetics of the flag.
1: That's true. I've always wondered what the flag must have been like during those times when we had weird, odd numbers. 50 is a nice, clean, even number.
2: Yeah, it is nice. And then we'd have to change the 50 nifty United States song, too.
1: 51 nifty one <laughs> 51 states.
2: nifty one
1: yeah you know I learned that song when I was a little kid and I when I was in the Los Angeles Children's Chorus except they didn't want to go through all the states so we cut from Indiana to Utah what Idaho Illinois Indiana Utah Vermont Virginia Washington and I remember when you guys came home from school singing Fifty Nifty and you started singing about New Jersey and all these other kinds yeah. of things that were in there, I was like, where did these Where did these other states come from?
2: That's messed up I, that they would do that. <laughs>
1: they just didn't want to go through the anyway, entire number. sorry,
2: why is the vice president never in the Senate?
1: Well, the vice president is never in the Senate because he has apparently other things to do with the president, but, but in his absence, the president pro tem, which is the most senior member of the Senate, presides over the Senate.
2: Isn't that Orrin Hatch?
1: Orrin Hatch is out of the Senate now. Oh. Mitt Romney's in the Senate
2: now. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But it was. It Sheesh, was Orrin that's Hatch. That's embarrassing. It was, though.
1: It was. I'm, I'm not sure who it is now. I think it might be Patrick Some Leahy. Some old guy. I think it's Patrick Leahy, who's an old guy. Although he is in the Dark Knight movie.
2: He, oh. Yeah, the Joker then, threatens him. All right. All, all sins are forgiven, then. All
1: sins are forgiven. So uh, the president pro tem is supposed to preside over the Senate, but apparently he has better things to do. So what they end up doing is... The presiding officer in the Senate is a random senator from the majority party who just sits in the president's chair. And when you go and you listen to Senate speeches, you actually go into Washington, D.C., and you watch the floor of the Senate. People, when I would take them on tours when I was an intern for Senator Al Simpson, they get very disappointed when they'd see that— Like
2: nobody's there. Nobody's
1: there. Nothing's yeah. happening. Although there are two people on the floor of the Senate. There's the one person giving a speech. yeah. And then there's the person sitting in the president's chair. And they would always give an award at the end of every Congress that they would respectfully call the Iron Butt Award.
2: Whoever sat in the chair the most. Whoever sat
1: in the chair the most. And at one point...
2: Oh, that was the original Game of Thrones. Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow, it all makes sense.
1: That's the only Game of Thrones reference we're going to make, though, because we haven't watched the Game of Thrones. I have. You have? Yeah. I have heard that it was the most disappointing finale since... Battlestar Galactica, which I didn't. I've heard it was worse way?
2: than the Lost finale.
1: So, but
2: the, did you watch Lost? I did not. Oh, okay. Did you? No, but I read about how disappointing the finale was.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm just trying to tell you. I'm trying to show you your legacy. Your grandfather was the winner of the Iron Butt Award.
2: Yahoo! At one point
1: because he was a junior senator. When the Republicans took over, the was majority. it
2: was it a trophy of a literal butt? It was
1: kind of a no. They they call well, then it. I don't want it. <laughs> I wonder what's happened to it. We'll have to comb through his stuff to see if we can find it. Maybe we can do that during our break, and we can come back and okay. It. All right, no luck finding the Iron Butt Award.
2: They should in the future they should like take a cast molding of the person's butt and then put it on a trophy stand. That uh, would be cool.
1: You know, then I would think people would actually fight for it.
2: And that would create, like, infrastructure job, like, jobs for, like... What,
1: tr- trophy makers? Well, yeah,
2: welders and stuff. Metal you, know, you don't need people, a welder to blacksmiths. create a trophy.
1: How, how do you think trophies are made?
2: Well, They're- I guess you could 3D print one now, but I was talking about, like, the actual, like, getting a mold of someone's butt and then making it out of iron. All right. Okay, let's keep
1: going. Let's keep going. So there is precedent here. Um, It is not unusual for Congress to be dominated by a party that is antagonistic to the executive branch. Sure. And for Congress to engage in endless investigations of the executive branch. Case in point, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was investigated up, down, and sideways, and he was investigated under a legal system that was even more intrusive than the Mueller report was. Because, uh-huh. because the Mueller report, uh, Mueller worked for the executive branch. He worked for the Department of Justice.
2: Oh, did you see this? Is, this is totally an aside. But Rex Tillerson, you know, was he oh yeah, form, former, former Secretary of State. Yeah, today uh, Donald Trump called him dumb as a rock. So oh. On Twitter. Anyways. Well,
1: Rex Tillerson has had stronger words for Donald Trump.
2: Interesting stuff.
1: To begin with F.
2: So, um.
1: An idiot. He's a blanking idiot. So.
2: Funny idiot. Funny
1: idiot. So, when the Democrats were investigating Nixon, they had a prosecutor, Archibald Cox, who worked for. Archie
2: Cox on the case.
1: I don't know if he went by Archie.
2: Well, I like to imagine he did.
1: All right. So Archie was on the case, and he was getting close to the president. He to getting the president, getting the goods on him. And so on what they called the Saturday Night Massacre,
2: Archie Ooh. Cox was
1: fired. That uh,
2: doesn't seem.
1: Uh, that pres- doesn't, uh. Well, it was. Well, I think that almost more than anything else was the catalyst that ultimately led to President Nixon resigning.
2: I don't know. I feel like Watergate was pretty bad.
1: Well, Watergate was pretty bad, but throughout the entire investigation, if Nixon had cooperated, if Nixon had had just come forward, because what Nixon got in trouble for was the cover-up, was after the fact, was yeah. lying about it. He didn't. He didn't get kicked out of office because of the burglary. He got kicked out of office because he was using the apparatus of government to impede the investigation.
2: Have you ever ever wondered if if Watergate hadn't happened, what would we call... Because whenever, like, scandals happen, we always call them something-gate, you know? What would we call them if Watergate hadn't happened? I don't know. So, thanks, Richard Nixon.
1: Thanks for that. I've been to the Watergate Hotel. It's a beautiful hotel.
2: Except for all the peepholes in the doors and stuff. That was a little weird.
1: There are peepholes in
2: the doors? I was making a joke about spying.
1: Spying. And all
2: the... Yeah, All the microphones in the shower, that was bizarre. Right. Other than that, we had a lovely time.
1: That's true. Well, the person who was supposed to fire Archibald Cox refused to do it, and so he resigned. And so his deputy ended up having to fire him. The deputy was Robert Bork, who was eventually nominated to the Supreme Court. Oh,
2: yeah. And that
1: came up that he was the one who had instituted the Saturday Night Massacre, and so that was one more reason why the Democrats voted against him. But anyway, after that, they decided this should not be a partisan thing. And so those who are investigating the president should be free from working from the Justice Department. So they passed the independent counsel statute, which authorized an independent counsel who did not report to the Justice Department and could not be fired. And when there's no gate attached to this, but when President Clinton was first in office, the scandal attached to him was the Whitewater scandal. Some people called it Whitewater Gate, but ah. it, it didn't quite work. Whitewater was a development in Arkansas, and it had to do with financial improprieties that most people— Arkansas Kansas, as the
2: intellectuals call it.
1: Correct. But most people didn't understand it. It didn't make a lot of sense to them. But there was an independent counsel appointed to it, and that guy ended up—they ended up trading independent counsels midway through. But the guy who followed through with the investigation was Ken Starr. And when the Monica Lewinsky scandal was broken, a lot of, a lot of broken, dudes'
2: names being of dudes. said today.
1: Well, Monica Lewinsky's not a dude. No. And when that info came out, Ken Starr got authorization to expand his investigation to include Monica Lewinsky. Uh, I think it so bad
2: for her. Oh, yeah, she I, really I, got just torn to shreds.
1: I agree with that. I agree with that.
2: Even but, today, like her name's just like the butt of any joke.
1: You know what's interesting about her? She's actually quite an accomplished writer.
2: No, yeah, have you seen I think I've talked about this before. She was on a John Oliver episode about like public shaming. Oh, yeah, and she's like had TED Talks. she's like done TED Talks and stuff. I think she's about. very bright. yeah and she yeah, and she talked about how like she that was like the darkest time of her entire life. like well of course it was. yeah and I I, I know I feel horrible like for her.
1: Well, I read a big article she wrote in Vanity Fair about her experience and I thought this is surprisingly well written. No, she's super. She's smart. got a master's degree in economics. She, but she's apparently had a very difficult time. Finding, yeah, no one wants to. No one wants to hire. Who wants her? to hire Monica Lewinsky? Yeah, the scandal attached to that, which is you know anyway. That's that's a whole other side note. But the abuse of that entire experience uh, allowed the special counsel special counsel statute, independent counsel statute, to expire. Okay. And so we reverted back to the way oh, we did so it in Oh, so now we're...
2: okay. Dang it, guys. We didn't learn anything from that.
1: Well, let's see if we learned anything about that when we come back from our break. All right. So the Clinton administration was not just investigated by Ken Starr. Whitewater was also investigated by Congress. There were hearings. Wonder Woman's husband got in trouble. Linda Carter's husband was the treasury secretary at the time. Oh, and he got hauled before. And I didn't realize at the time that he was, uh, married to wonder woman. I thought, wow, that's really cool. Good for him. Good for him. Anyway. So there were all kinds of congressional investigations. And if Bill Clinton had thrown the kind of temper tantrum that Donald Trump is throwing today, he would not have been able to, um, get away with it, even with members of his own party. Yeah. The idea that he stand up, well, I'm just not going to work with Congress at all until they stop investigating me. He would have been dragged over the coals. Yeah. Now we've reached a point where we expect dysfunction from Donald Trump. We expect him to defy norms. And that's one of the reasons why he's beloved by his base. This is a guy who doesn't care about the rules, but the reality is that unless you work with Congress, you either don't get anything done um, or, or. or you find extra constitutional ways to do that. And this, again, is a sign that Republicans and Democrats don't believe in anything. Because when Barack Obama got frustrated with Congress, he started to rely on executive orders. Yeah, And the Republicans were furious about the executive orders. And this is terrible, and this is against the Constitution. And Donald Trump, on the campaign trail, was the first in line to talk about how terrible executive orders were. Well, Donald Trump has issued just as many executive orders yeah, in his first term. that's so
2: weird for him to go back on something he promised in the <laughs> well, campaign trail. That's isn't bizarre. That,
1: isn't that bizarre that Donald Trump was inconsistent? And Donald Trump has declared a state of emergency. And Oh,
2: I didn't... Oh I I didn't know
1: that. Yeah, he's declared a state of emergency on the southern border and has authorized oh, the southern, yeah, 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 he's authorized 5.7 billion dollars to build the wall. Except the, the irony of that is that the report has come back less than a mile of wall has actually been built. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders was confronted about that and she says no 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 that's inaccurate we're building 500 miles of wall. It's like well okay you are building I guess <laughs> but you haven't built and that
2: reminds me of on the office when they do a fun run for rabies awareness. Yeah. Pam goes into Michael's office and she's like, "Michael, you know that a 5K is 5 kilometers, not 5,000 miles."
1: And and what does Michael say? Cuz was he planning well, on running 5,000 well, miles? Well, no,
2: and but then it's he was in the middle of getting changed and then Pam walks in on him. And it's oh, a whole other so, that, so so that doesn't that part doesn't really get, get resolved. We don't really know.
1: We don't know if he ever realized yeah. it's not 5,000 miles. That's a miles. great episode. That is a great episode. There aren't very many bad episodes of The Office.
2: After Michael leaves, there's a couple.
1: Yeah, after Michael leaves, it's not nearly as good.
2: We should change this into an uh, an Office podcast. You think? Yeah.
1: Except for there's nothing else to talk about because the Office is good. Oh, I could, done. I
2: could, we could just go through every single episode and just talk about it.
1: Well, that might be fun. So let's... I'm getting tired of
2: talking about Donald Trump. <laughs>
1: Well, Donald Trump's not as funny as the office. He would be funny.
2: Unintentionally, sometimes.
1: Well, I used to think he was hysterically funny during the presidential campaign. I used to watch all the debates just to see what nonsense would come out of his mouth. Right, and we would
2: all laugh, and now it's not funny anymore. It's not funny because he
1: actually won. (laughs) He actually has the power of the state behind him as he tries to do his goofy and ridiculous things. So I don't know where this is going to lead. My guess is it's probably not going to lead anywhere. Because Donald Trump, when was the last time Donald Trump really took a stand and just stood with it and was tough about it? And, yes, he stood up for what he believed in.
2: Mm, his divorces, maybe?
1: His divorces. Yeah, he, he stood up for the right to get, che- divorced. to get divorced and cheat on his wife and all that kind of thing. Yeah, but when it comes to politics.
2: So the whole, the whole moral of the story is it just exposed the hypocrisy on both sides? Yeah. Cool.
1: And saying that partisans are hypocrites is a lot like saying water is wet. I mean, it's, it's, it's not news. But when I was a Republican, I was a Republican because I believed in a certain set of principles. There were things I believed in that I thought the Republican Party was going to do. And one of the things I believed in was free trade. And The Republican Party hates free trade now. And nobody seems to care. Another thing that I believed in was that it was inappropriate to, for government to spend on pork barrel projects, on these big infrastructure bills that just spend money. Yeah. And now that's what the Republican Party stands for.
2: Yeah.
1: And nobody seems to care. Nobody seems. And the, the goal, it, it's a horse race. It's my team is winning. It's the guy in my jersey that is scoring the most points. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter what he's actually doing as long as he's winning. And that's a really frustrating Ugh. aspect of American politics.
2: <laughs> I always end these so depressed. I, I, I don't
1: mean to depress you, but you are the rising generation. You are the one who gets to fix this. We leave you this huge, huge mess that you have it. to clean up. I don't want it. Well, if, whether you're cleaning up the mess or not, I, if you're listening to this podcast on the radio... Please be sure to subscribe. You can get an email notification every time there's a new episode. That's exciting. So go to iTunes or go to the KSL Podcast Center. In the meantime, we will see you next week. This is Jim Bennett.
2: I'm Abby Bennett.
1: Until next time on Dinner Table Politics.
2: Goodbye.